0: Understandably, a certain trepidation in dealing with the subject, the storms of life. Sometimes it can be foreboding because inevitably we're fearful because that's the way we're made of what lies ahead. The last time I spoke about it was when we had a a wonderful communion service on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, a very tranquil setting and I remember it well. Some of you were there. It was a beautiful morning with warm sunlight glistening off the water, and we spoke and I spoke leading the communion service about how easy it was to be a Christian believer in such a setting, but we would not know what storms were going to break over us when we returned to the UK. Little did I know that as I spoke, my 19-year-old nephew had been killed, and there was a phone message waiting for me when we landed at Heathrow. Last summer in the quaint fishing village of Crail, we appreciated a sermon on the storm on the lake and we enjoyed it and we walked home and we remembered sharing it. But all was plain sailing. That week we were due to go on holiday to Lanzarote. We never got that summer holiday. The night before, my mother-in-law had what was to prove a fatal stroke and she died slowly over two long months we were looking forward to a holiday we thought we were in plain sailing but it wasn't to be and i want to just share with you some of the lessons that i learned that we learned and i want you to come with me on a voyage and that voyage is the voyage across the lake and every voyage needs something Yes, we need the boat, we need the anchor, we need everything else, but we also need the captain's log, and that's how we're going to divide it into various sections. I've given you the clue of the first section. They all begin P.S. This one is plain sailing. Your life may be easy at this time. Your standard life for Scottish Widows Pension Fund has remarkably done pretty well. You're enjoying a healthy retiree, You may have a stable family, a good job, good prospects. Then we rejoice with you and that's the way it should be. But we know and we know from our own personal experience that that's the time when we're most vulnerable, isn't it? When we're plain sailing and we're perhaps most complacent. Beware of the spiritual dangers of complacency. We're all very well aware of the real fact that when things are going well, we're perhaps not close to God, and are spiritually at our most vulnerable. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then if we go back to the children of Israel after their exodus, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 10 to 14. When you have eaten and are satisfied. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commandments, his laws and his degrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And that's certainly true in my experience, and I'm sure it's probably true in yours. Some of you might use daily bread for your morning reading, and this was taken up just a couple of weeks ago. Let me quote from it. In his book, The Fisherman and His Friends, Lewis Banks tells of two men who were assigned to stand watch on a ship out at sea. During the night, the waves from a raging storm washed one of them overboard. The sailor who drowned had been in the most sheltered place, while the one who survived was more exposed to the elements. What made the difference? Well, the man who was lost had nothing to hold on to. What a picture of the way some people are affected by the trials of life. When life is peaceful and very self-sufficient, but when the going gets rough, they're swept off their feet because they've refused God's help and they have nothing to hold on to. They are easily, and we are easily, overwhelmed. People who cling to the Lord, though, can weather the fiercest of adversity. They're often heard to say, I don't know what do I do without the Lord. They know that their Heavenly Father is always with them to strengthen, guard, and protect them. And then the strap line at the bottom of that daily reading was, God has not promised to keep us from life storms, but to keep us through them. God has not promised to keep us from life storms, but to keep us through them. It is in the quiet waters of life that we should build up the spiritual resources to cope with, with what may and will probably lie ahead. Let's turn another page of the captain's log. P.S. The Passing Storm The disciples were fearful that Christ was asleep. How can it be? Why were the disciples afraid when Christ was with them in their very boat? Well, just as we do, and this is our normal situation, they didn't realize or appreciate his infinite power. We're often like this, aren't we? Please, Jesus, help me through this crisis, this illness, these exams, this redundancy, these debts. But more than that, we often shout at God like the disciples did. How has this happened to me? Don't you care about my spouse's illness, my chemotherapy, my partner's affair, my crushing anxiety and depression, my teenager's rebellion, my grandchild's illness, my alcohol problem, my guilt, my fears, my lonely bereavement. My, my. And you can add your own often, and they have to be often very, very private thoughts. Oh God, help me is often all that we can say. Often it's not a passing storm. But, let's turn the page. Panic Stations. You may well know the terrors of the night, and certainly I do. It does look so awful, doesn't it, in the wee small hours when things are so dark and so lonely, when you toss on a sleepless pillow, longing for just a few moments of oblivion and escape from the fear that seems to surround you. Teacher, Don't you care if we drown? And what's Christ's response? Quiet, be still. And it's so, so hard, isn't it? The disciples are amazed. They have a glimpse of the infinite power and majesty of an eternal God, but then they so quickly seem to forget in the busyness of their lives, as I do and as often we do, And I pray that we may cling to a real faith, that our anchor will in fact hold in the storms of life, that we will really examine what is important in our life, in our voyage as we travel together. Let's turn the page of the log again. Have you ever been saved? Well, I bet you think this is a spiritual question. I suppose ultimately it is, but not yet. Let's go back to Israel. Let's go to 1979, the beach of Aksif, a beautiful beach just south of the Lebanon border. Our good friends Donald and Dorothy Cameron are visiting us. Donald is the director of music. And we're swimming in the pounding surf in the beach. There are only two of us in the water. Donald and myself were diving through the surf as fit and life young men do. I thought I would bring a picture, but that would be an unhelpful distraction. We both noticed, but too late, that we were being sucked out to sea by a very fierce undertow. You could feel the undercurrent sucking you out, and it was a terrifying experience. I don't know if any of you have nearly drowned. Donald, being the stronger swimmer, made it to shore, and he made the right decision of leaving me, but I was left being dragged helplessly out to sea by the power of that pounding surf and I can still interestingly feel it being tossed helplessly like a cork. Fortunately, providentially, there were lifeguards on the beach and Donald was able to raise the alarm and they leapt into action very professionally and I was dragged unceremoniously like a stranded whale onto the beach. And I can remember lying there with my fingers stuck in the sand, feeling the warmth of the sand. In my fingers and know what it was to experience perfect safety let's turn the log page again the waves were quelled for the disciples they were quelled for me that I was rescued from that situation largely of my own doing but we'll not always be rescued in such a way we will not always be miraculously healed We will not always enjoy a quiet mind, but we can know Christ's presence with us through the storm, and we can rely on his infinite resources, which are not limited to this life, which is an incredible claim. Infinite resources, which are not limited to this life. Let me repeat, God has not promised to keep us from life's storm, but to keep us. Through them, a fantastic promise. Where is God when we're fraught with anxiety? He is with us, but we need to know his presence. Let's look at the example in the Old Testament of that fiery furnace in the book of Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had defied Nebuchadnezzar and were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3, verse 22. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a thumb of the gods. I don't know what your fiery furnace is. I know some of my fiery furnaces. But God is with us and we can be aware of his presence walking with us as indeed he was in that fiery furnace. He will be with you in that consulting room. He will be with you in that x-ray department as you go into the MRI scanner tube. He will be with you in the lawyer's office on opening that letter in the lonely crowd and by that very, very lonely graveside. We can know perfect safety because of Christ and his resurrection, because of the defeat of death. These are not just words from a clever preacher from 2,000 years ago. These are the words of somebody who paid the price and demonstrated by coming back to life again. And that's why we can know perfect safety. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward, and I say this sincerely, to glorious redundancy in heaven, surely in heaven and paradise. We won't need doctors to fight the effects of disease, decay, degeneracy, and death. One of the most important pieces of equipment in my consulting room, and I know some of your fellow physicians here, is your box of tissues. Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There'll be tears of joy, but not sadness. So the question is, really, is God with you? Is he with you in your voyage through life? Do you lead your life in such a way? What is your anchor? In closing, let me just give you two examples of what a life can mean with an eternal perspective. The first is a bit of a personal testimony shared retrospectively. Many of you will remember Bill and Sheila Davidson who were very faithful members here. They used to sit just over there, creatures of habit. We got to know them very well. They were in our fellowship group. Bill was a retired sea captain. In 1997, Sheila, his dear wife, was struck down with lung cancer and died very slowly without a word of complaint. Bill was understandably devastated by his wife's death, but he coped remarkably well. But then, cruelly, he developed the same illness three years later. He knew very well what was in store. I enjoyed visiting him. He was a lovely, warm character, and I enjoyed his sea stories. We've sailed the seas together, the Panama Canal, the west coast of Africa, storms on the China Sea... But we didn't just talk about that, we talked about life and death. And he wrote his own testimony, and he asked that I read it at his funeral, which I did and I kept it. He was a very private individual, but I'm sure he will approve of my quoting from it. And remember, he was a sea captain. The church to me was an anchor, and in particular, my sheet anchor. And then there's a little nautical footnote for us landlubbers. The sheet anchor was the reserve anchor carried in addition to the normal bow anchor on board ship and popularly supposed to be used only in an emergency. Hence the use of this term in general conversation when referring to a person or something that can be fully relied on. Still continues. Looking back over the years, I can recall occasions when I have known God's caring hand on me for safekeeping in times of difficulties and in situations where the outcome was uncertain. Remember the situation that Bill was in. I have known the comfort of the Lord's presence in times of real sorrow and the help from the prayers of others when mine own have been inadequate. I have never doubted God's caring for me, nor questioned whatever he may have permitted, and I am eternally grateful for his hand on the helm throughout my life the testimony of Bill Davidson. Let me give you a contrast, and I mean this respectfully, from my medical practice. Some years ago, a patient of mine, who will of course be strictly anonymous, died after a long and lonely illness. I'd never been aware of anybody in her home or her house. My partner was called to certify death, but he couldn't because He wasn't able to do the necessary paperwork because he hadn't known of her before. And he called me at home and I arranged to visit later that evening. When I arrived at the house some hours later, there was music blaring out of every window. At first I thought I'd made a mistake, but obviously I knew the address well. And the air was thick with alcohol and cigarette fumes. I was ushered into a crowded lounge after having been met at the door by a complete stranger. And the lounge was full of people that I had never met before. The crowd gradually fell back and there was my patient lying in a corner of the room, dressed in a fine white gown with a carnation under one hand and a Bible, and I had never seen a Bible in the house under the other hand. And at that point a hush fell and somebody from the family announced, The doctor will now say a few words. Those of you that know me well or know that I'm not normally lost for words. But what could you say in that situation? I don't pretend or have no knowledge or any presumption of the eternal destiny of that person. But I'd seen no evidence of a spiritual walk or a walk with God in that life. And maybe you've been in that situation too. It's difficult to say to people, isn't it, when they have a bereaved relative, when people have lived their lives and faced death apparently without God, without Christ in their craft. And that essentially is the challenge of this morning's talk. Which of these lifestyles is ours? What is, as Bill described it, our sheet anchor? Are we enjoying plain sailing? Is God forgotten or suppressed? Are we complacent? Is he in fact in our craft at all? When we hit the passing storm, do we have the spiritual resources to cope with the panic stations which so easily engulf us when all seems lost? Or can we appreciate the perfect safety that an eternal destiny can provide? The challenge to each one of us, and I include myself, is of course twofold. One, do we have a personal belief in an eternal Christ? And fundamentally, does that belief make a difference in our lives? And is that difference evident? Do we have a personal belief in an eternal Christ? And does that belief make a difference? Does it show in our lives? This is eloquently summed up in a a poem which is written by Peter Berry, who was on the bike ride for Nazareth Hospital in 2001. And Margaret Mickey is kindly going to read it to me now. And it describes very much that challenge. The Nazarene Shadow, a poem by Peter Berry. Thank you, Margaret.
1: My neighbour said as I passed by one time, Excuse me, my friend, who is that stranger, the one by your side? I notice each time as you pass by this way, the stranger is with you by night and by day. You walk in his shadow. You seem so secure as though no one can harm you. Your steps safe and sure. Please tell me, my friend, how do you know such a powerful presence? I would like to know. I turned to my neighbour. I looked at his face, so tortured and troubled, his life such a waste. I said to my neighbour, This stranger you see, in whose shadow I walk, has lifted my burden, has set my life free is my savior he is my king he is my brother who died for my sins he protects and he guides me keeps me safe from the storm when i stay in his shadow i come to no harm my neighbor replied to my king not to me how can i meet you please Set my life free. Let me walk in your shadow. Let me stay by your side. Let me feel your great presence by day and by night. I'm sorry you died for the sins I'd commit. I thought love such as this was only a myth. I can see by my friend you bring joy and not fear and the warmth your presence brings when you are near. All the things that he needs in this life you supply. Forgive me, my Saviour, that I caused you to die. Our Saviour replied to my friend and to me, Trust in my word and come, follow me. Now my neighbour and I, We walk the same path, in the shadow of him whose love's unsurpassed. So, come, walk with us now, and then you can see how, in the Nazarene's shadow, your life is set free.
0: Thanks very much, Margaret. You may not be aware of death or dying and I hope that you haven't thought that that has been the theme of this morning's service. It's right that we enjoy life and enjoy it to the full. Let me quote from one elderly member who died recently. She had many pithy sayings and one which was quoted by her daughter at her funeral was, don't leave making your decision about Christ to the eleventh hour because if you do, you can rest assured that you'll die at half past ten. I do hope that you have been challenged and helped by this morning's message. I hope you sense that it's been very much from my heart. I hope it passes the Monday morning test. In other words, it's easy as we meet together to say, yeah, I'm strengthened. But it's a bit different tomorrow when you're engulfed, isn't it, by that storm if you require spiritual help or prayer, there are members of the fellowship, the leadership, who would be happy to meet with you after the service if you want to come down to my left. Our closing hymn, which Donald is playing, is a remarkable story. Some of you will know it. Horatio Stafford was a Chicago lawyer. In 1874, his wife and four daughters were on a large French steamer crossing the Atlantic when the ship sunk after a after, mid-ocean uh, collision. Only his wife was saved and his four daughters were drowned. Shortly afterwards, Stafford, left by ship to join his bereaved wife in Europe, speculated that on the sea, near the area where he thought his four daughters had perished, he penned this text with the words so significantly describing his own personal grief. When sorrows like sea below Joe. but What is remarkable, he goes on to say, and that's what we sing, and let's hope we can practice it. Let's, whatever my lot, that has taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand to sing that hymn.